Hello, my spooky friends. Welcome back to Paranormal Stories and Spooky Shiz. I'm your host, Chappie. Today, we're going to talk about haunted places and the teddy bear that terrorized the 80s, Teddy Ruxpin. Um, and we'll see how far we get. I hope everybody had a great holiday with your friends and family. Um, hope everybody was safe and uh, hope you guys ate a lot of food and did a lot of Black Friday, Cyber Monday shopping. All right. Without further ado, let's get started. All right. Welcome back. Let's go through some Teddy Rexpin horror stories. I'm getting this from Ranker.com, written by Suzanne Jeanette. Um, it's a collection of stories that she collected uh, about Teddy Ruxpin, um, the best-selling toy of 1985 and 1986. So let's get started. All right. The Glassy Stare, the Slowly Moving Mouth, and the Voice. Dear God, the Voice. It's no wonder there are so many creepy stories about Teddy Ruxpin. For the children of the 80s, Teddy Ruxpin horror stories are a dime a dozen. The bear is beyond scary. How did it ever become the best-selling toy of 1985 and 86? Sure, Teddy Ruxpin looks innocent. He's a shirt-clad bear equipped with a, a tape deck. Just pop in a proprietary... proprietary proprietary cassette and he'll tell you stories and sing songs call it the uncanny valley or blame it on the children's overactive imagination that bear is up to no good there's just something unnerving about machines covered in fake fur just like furbies teddy ruxman's are known to act out in bizarre terrifying ways from bears that speak without batteries to teddies that appear in unlikely places, scary tales about Teddy Ruxpin are all over the internet. Here are some of the best and spookiest tales about the would-be beloved children's toy. Alright, number one is called, What's With All The Questions? So from Reddit. I stopped by my mom's earlier to kill time before an appointment, as she shows me this stuffed animal bear that she had gotten over the weekend at a yard sale, and jokingly, I thought, told me to push the button and talk to him, and that I would see why she thinks he's possessed. My mom has always had a kind of a dramatic flair, so I figured I'd humor her and push the button. He started out by singing the super creepy song that went something like, Touch my heart, you can talk to me, all your secrets and daydreams, see how fun it can be. Then right off the bat, can I tell you a secret? Would you believe sometimes I like to be naughty? I was like, what? So even though he creeped me out from the start, I kept talking to him, asking him questions like, what's your name? What do you like to do? Etc. He slowly got more creepy. I talked to the thing for maybe 20 minutes. At first, he was almost reluctant. He would answer a few questions, then stop and say, bye-bye. And I'd have to push the button again to get him to keep talking. Then he opened up telling me things like, 
I like to go swimming with my friends. What do you like to do at night? And sometimes I feel really sad. What makes you feel sad? His answers were always quick and seemed to be up seemed to keep up pretty well until he told me he didn't like high places. I and I threatened to put him on the shelf above the door. He took a huge pause, then said, I'm sorry you feel that way. Bye bye. And wouldn't respond when I pushed the button again. He has different responses and conversations with every different person that talks to him. When my mom tried to talk to him, all he wanted to tell her was how much he likes to be naughty. At one point, he even said, Sometimes I like to play with matches, even though I'm not supposed to. Have you ever played with fire? My mom has always had a thing for fire, and even once almost burned down my childhood house because she decided to light the weeds on fire to get the yard work done faster. When we had my little brother, who's 14 years old, try to talk to him, he talked for hours, even though he still refused to work for me. He got almost explicit with my brother, telling him things like, Sometimes I like to be naughty. What do you like to do when you get into bed at night? And I like to go to sleep with my friends sometimes. Who do you like to sleep with? Are you ever naughty? My mom heard the bear talking throughout the night, even though my brother was asleep and wasn't saying anything back. When she went in to turn the sound box off, it was already in the off position. She thought maybe it was a problem with the wiring, so she switched it onto the on position, but he kept talking no matter what she did. After a few times, he told her, that really hurts. Has ever, anyone ever hurt you? You can tell me your secrets. This morning, before I went over, my mom left him in the room next to her, and he started talking. She didn't respond, and after a few minutes, he says, Are you still there? I know you can hear me. My brother won't let us sell him, and sleeps with it in his room, even though the rest of us can barely touch him without getting creeped out. Ooh, that one's creepy. Um, I don't know, because I don't like a teddy bear that can talk while being on the off position that's kind of freaky um and then there's several other stories about this bear that like he doesn't have batteries but he's still talking and i don't know if that's something that like the geniuses that like came out came up with this back then were like we want him to talk no matter what or like it's like motion activated or whatever they decided to do uh, maybe they put it in the wiring um so it didn't just have to say what was on that tape so, I don't know. Uh, let's keep reading about him. Um, but that one was definitely freaky. I would have probably sold him or given him away or burned it. <laughs> but let's, let's keep going. Number two comes from Reddit as well. So who's that at the top of the stairs? My sister's birthday was right around the corner. The present that stood out the most was the animatronic bear that you could insert a cassette tape into, and the bear would read the book. It was kind of neat. The bear's mouth would move, and its eyes would blink, and my sister instantly loved it, always grabbing at the mouth to try and stop him from talking. Anyway, that night, she refused to go to her bed without the Teddy Ruxman, so my parents put in the cassette and let it play for her, and she eventually fell asleep to the bear's gentle storytelling. I hear a sound coming from the top of the stairs. It was barely audible, 
I look up at the stairs, but all I could make out were these little furry puffs that were hanging just above the second to last step from the top. Who's there? I yelled out. I couldn't tell what the sound was. It was weird, almost motorized, like the sound you hear when an RC car rotates its wheels, but softer. It came in spats, on, off, on, off, almost like a pattern. I slowly approached the stairs, never taking my eyes off the furry puffs or the darkness that sat at the top of the stairs. I reached my hand out slowly, filling the wall for the light switch. I felt my fingers brush against the switch and flipped it upwards, expecting the light to flood the staircase, but it didn't work. I flipped the switch down and back up, still nothing. And suddenly, the sound stopped. I held my breath. I didn't know what to expect. I couldn't take my eyes off the top of the stairs. I jumped as someone spoke. Happy, 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 happy. Repeating over and over. I recognized that voice, I thought to myself. It was the same voice as Teddy Ruxman that my sister had. And finally, I realized that those little furry puffs were the legs of the bear. But how did it get there to the top of the stairs? Suddenly, I felt very scared. I started to back away from the stairs when suddenly the recording began to speed up. The word happy was starting to get cut off. Hap, 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 hap. I freaked out. I started to move towards the door. I had to get my parents. Something really weird was going on and I couldn't deal with it on my own. As I backed up closer to the front door, the recording sped up even more. And finally, I understood what it was doing. Ha, 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 It was laughing at me. It was laughing at how scared I was. And then my sister began to scream and cry. My mind raced. My little one-year-old sister was being tormented by that thing, by that darkness that sat at the top of the stairs. I ran towards the stairs, forgetting how scared I was, sprinted up the stairs, and as I reached the top of the stairs, I grabbed the furry leg of the bear and threw it over my shoulder hearing it fall, thud against the stairs as it fell downward. I ran past the tops of the stairs and headed straight for my sister's room. Something slammed against the door loudly, and then the door burst open. What's going on here? It was my father. Thank God it was my father. He saw me hiding with my sister behind the rocking chair, and he scooped both of us up and guided us downstairs. As we passed by the Teddy Ruxman, I could see that its mouthpiece had broken off from the tumble. It took down the stairs, and its eyes were closed, almost like asleep. I tossed and turned in bed until eventually I managed to doze off. Crash! I heard the sound of metal hitting cement from outside and awoke with a start. In my groggy state, the first thought was that it was those dang raccoons who always tried to open our trash cans. They probably knocked the trash can over. I walked over to the window from my bed, looked out at our backyard, and sure enough, the lid of our trash can was off, but I didn't see any raccoons. I did, however, see the head of Teddy Ruxpin that my dad had thrown into the garbage. Its eyes were open and staring straight at my window. Needless to say, I didn't sleep the rest of that night. <laughs> Ooh, that one's scary. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I'm just going to keep reading. 
because I don't know what to think. I mean, if it's a fake story, it's definitely uh, a good one, like a good scary one. <laughs> um, but yeah, these are supposedly true. I know I probably couldn't handle that if uh, <laughs> the whole like happy, 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 thing would have freaked me out. I would have been like, oh, nope. <laughs> um, but yeah. Only thing that makes me think this might not be real is everything sounds super believable except for the trash can part. Um, that maybe makes me doubt it a little, but I digress. Let's keep reading. All right, number three, also from Reddit. The Possessed Toys. When I was younger, I used to own a Teddy Ruxpin and grubby talking doll set. They were a birthday gift from my parents in 1987 or 88, and I really enjoyed having them. But something always felt odd about them. And as the years passed, any children who came near them always said they were scary. Fast forward to 1995, my little brother and I are doing some spring cleaning, and I've been tasked to clean out the closet in the spare room. I'm rummaging around the closet. I see the forgotten about Teddy Ruxpin doll, smile at it, and tap it on the nose. At this point, the most terrifying thing that's ever happened to me so far happens. Hi, says the doll. His animatronic mouth opening and closing for a brief moment as it mumbles the word. Out of the room I go, running faster than I ever have before. My brother hears the commotion and calls out to me. Once I got my stuff together, I told my brother what happened. He laughed at me, calling me a wuss, and proceeded to go in the spare room and pull the doll off the shelf. No batteries, cassette tape, nothing. Its eyes just open and blank. You're dumb, says my brother. He thinks I'm trying to scare him, and nothing I say convinces him about what just happened. I began to doubt myself. Maybe it didn't really happen. Maybe there was some weird malfunction. I don't know what happened, but I was terrified. Other unexplained behavior of those two dolls happened over the course of another couple years. Every time I had a sleepover, people in random places in the house were waking up to the dolls either in their beds or somewhere in the room with them. Practical jokes are one thing, but whoever was doing this was going too far. One night during the summer, we decided we've had it with the practical jokes, if that's what it was. So we perform a seance, as much as a bunch of young teenagers can. We all hang out in the spare bedroom, which has no furniture in it at all. The Teddy Ruxpin and Grubby dolls sitting firmly in the closet on the shelf. We make sure to close their eyes and mouths. We all walk to the other side of the room. This is where the crap hits the fan. Arms linked, left to right, we all sit down on the floor. Josh closes the door. He was the closest and stretches to shut off the light. We're all sitting here now in pure darkness. Arm in arm, no way for any of us to move without somebody noticing. It's also a small room and things echo. So even somebody breathing hard or moving their foot is very prominent. Each of us in turn asks the dolls to show themselves for what they really are. 
I don't know what any of us were expecting, but you can sense a couple of them weren't taking this seriously. Then we heard it. Hi! Accompanied by the mechanical sound of Teddy Ruxpin's jaw as it moved, everybody freezes, and it's now complete silence. No movement, nobody's even breathing. Something in the closet stirs slightly, and then everything is silent again. Who's there? Somebody asks. Nothing. No words, no sounds, nothing. We all sit there in complete silence for hours, too terrified to move. Dawn is approaching now, and the faint bit of light it creates gives us the horrifying realization that both Teddy Ruxpin and Grubby are on the floor just a few feet away from us, eyes and mouths wide open. Again, another hour passes, and none of us are brave enough to move. The sun is out now, and the room is beginning to brighten. Josh gets the courage to stand up first, followed quickly by the rest of us. We dart out of the room, slamming the door behind us, locking it, and continuing our quick pace up the stairs and out the front door. <laughs> Josh's house is just a couple of houses down. Those dolls had to be destroyed, and we were the ones that were going to have to do it. We get back to my place armed with matches and lighter fluid, and there's a note on the door. Jonathan, I saw those dolls you left on the stairwell. Took them with me to donate them at the local shelter. Creepy. All right, let's take a short break and then we'll get right back into it. All right, welcome back. Let's get right back into it. Our next story is called Come Dream With Me Tonight, and it comes again from Reddit. When I was five years old, my uncle was watching this movie child's play and i knew this was becoming i knew this because i was watching it too the movie had a profound effect on my life and mind for many years at the time one of my most favorite toys was teddy ruxman he was an animatronic bear that would read you a story through his speakers as he read the story he would blink his eyes and move his mouth like he was speaking he was my best friend and i listened to his stories all the time I would imagine us going on epic adventures together along with his best friend, Grubby. Grubby was an orange caterpillar that could con be connected to Teddy. He would also move his mouth and eyes as he spoke his lines. He couldn't play cassettes himself, so you needed him to have Teddy for Grubby to work. This would come into play later in a different story. His voice was slow and slow. Think about Patrick from SpongeBob and you're close. One night, sometime after I had seen Child's Play, I sat restless in bed, unable to sleep. Teddy was sitting on the shelf overlooking my bed, as he always did. Since I couldn't sleep, I started imagining going on other, another adventure with Teddy. I didn't get very far into the story, because that's when I began to stare at Teddy. I swear, I saw his eyes blink and his mouth move. I have no idea how long I sat there staring at him in disbelief, not sure what I had seen was true or not, but I didn't have too long to wonder because something even more terrifying happened. When you start a cassette, there's a small bit of soft music that plays, and he says one of his catchphrases, come dream with me tonight. Normally, it is sung in a light, sweet voice, 
This time, though, it came out as something from The Exorcist. It was long and slow and almost demonic tone at the catchphrase. I had heard so many times played through the speakers. Come dream with me tonight. At this point, I screamed at the top of my lungs for my mom and dad. They bolted out of bed and into my room to find me crying. They asked what was wrong and I told them. They took Teddy out of my room and put him in their closet. I later found out they had to stifle some laughs and curses aimed at my uncle for letting me watch that movie. You may chalk it up to a wild imagination of a young kid who watched a scary movie too early in his life, but something happened seven years later that leads me to think otherwise. When I was 12 years old, I went looking in my parents' closet looking for something and happened to unearth Teddy inside of a box. I'm almost positive that I saw his eyes move from completely open to almost sinister look and his mouth open. And without touching him, that slow, deep, demonic voice said, Come dream with me tonight. Ooh, goodness. These stories from Reddit are creepy. Um, yeah, there's just so many stories about this doll, <laughs> um, playing without batteries and without the cassette tape and all that. So, <sighs> weird, weird. Um, let's see. The next one is called The Creepy Teddy, also from Reddit. My sister had a teddy bear. A scary teddy bear. I don't know why, but it creeped me out. It was just so disturbing to me. The thing had eyes that looked so real. It was as if it was made from a real bear, and its face was just blank and unsettling. I first started to get weird feelings about the bear when my sister first got it. She was only a baby at the time, and I was about four. Every time I went up the stairs, I saw the creepy bear suddenly glare around the corner at me, as if it was watching me. This wasn't the weird part. It started to get really weird about five years later, at age six or seven. My sister had lost interest in the bear, so my mom just threw it in the old toy cupboard. The only problem was the cupboard was in my room. When I needed to yawn, I closed my eyes, and I opened them to see Teddy sitting closer to my bed. At this point, I was really freaked out. I started to move back to the wall and looked around to see if there was any sign that anyone had come in. When I looked back to see the teddy on the end of my bed, it was so I was so startled that I almost fainted from fear. When I blinked, it had gone. I looked around. To my relief, I saw no sign of it. I sat my head back down on the pillow, hoping for some sleep. Then I opened my eyes. It was above my head, staring straight down. I screamed, and it lunged down at me. I will never see this bear the same way again. A few years later... After years of horror, I burned it. I sat in enjoyment as the bear was turning to smoking ashes in my fireplace. When I was 19, I was about to move into my new home. After years of carrying, I finally I carried the final box from the removal truck into the front door and shut the door behind me. I turned to go in the kitchen and put it on the table. I opened it to see a cabinet. I took it out walked into my living room and placed it in the corner. 
and stared at it and thought to myself, I don't remember packing this cabinet. I don't really care that much as I had just moved into my new home. I walked back into the kitchen to grab my television and brought it into the living room when I saw it. The teddy, it was just standing there, staring at me. Uh, that one sounds a little far-fetched, but who knows? Um, that's definitely the stuff of my dreams, you know, like you close your eyes and it's closer, you close your eyes and it's closer, you close your eyes and it's gone, and then you close your eyes and it's right there. <laughs> oh yeah, stuff of nightmares. Um, let's see, this next one's a short one. It says, how's it still talking? Again, it's from Reddit. We thought this Teddy Ruxpin bear was busted. It's old, dated as 1985, and we weren't surprised when nothing happened when we put new batteries in. We were very surprised when we took the batteries out and it started talking. What the crap. Alright. There's a lot of short ones that I'll go through quickly. Uh, when Teddy Ruxpin came to be, I was about the age of four or five. In my infinite wisdom, I decided he was hungry. Now, knowing he was a mechanical bear, I thought he must eat metal. So I fed him a penny. He has a throat that goes somewhere into his body. To where, I don't know. But that night, after I fed him the penny, something happened. Whether the penny tripped something, I'm not sure, but he just randomly started talking all demonic at like 2 a.m. while myself and my brother were sleeping. I jumped out of bed and slammed the door shut in my brother's face to die with Teddy Ruskin. I ran quickly to my parents' room. I cried and cried. I don't remember seeing him much after that, but to this day, I don't care for electronic, mechanical, bare-looking devices. They're just creepy. <laughs> That's so funny. That reminds me of a story um, whenever I was growing up with my sister Paige. Um, <laughs> we were sitting in the living room and like a bunch of dishes fell in the kitchen, but it sounded like somebody broke in the back door and it was late at night. And so we both start running to my parents' room that's right off of the living room. And Paige was in front of me and I grabbed her and threw her behind me. <laughs> to get there first <laughs> so i mean whenever you think fight or flight apparently i'm willing to sacrifice my sister <laughs> oh man she's like i can't believe you did that i was like god i'm sorry <laughs> okay let's keep going teddy ruxman all right soundcloud user random tape buys tape tapes at thrift stores and shares them with the internet Apparently, old Teddy Ruxpin tapes are pretty common thrift store finds, so they usually ignore them. But when they came across Autumn Adventure, something compels them to buy it. The cartoon voice on the tape, check out, but something is very wrong. Dissident notes and knocking sounds flood the sound space before Teddy Ruxpin begins to speak. Just a minute, I'm coming. Come on, he says just before the chainsaw-like sounds begin. Ooh, that's creepy. Um, this next one. One of my church elders in the 1980s told us that a girl had one of these. It turned on in the middle of the night and started talking to her, and the eyes of Teddy Ruxpin were glowing red. 
What is wrong with this doll? All right, and the last one from Reddit. I was cleaning out my parents' attic the other day, and I happened to stumble upon an old Teddy Ruxpin doll that I used to have when I was a child. The small t-shirt-clad bear seemed stoic about his attic slumber, but picking him up made the doll rise to life. It began spewing old lyrics from its majestic past. Come dream with me tonight, dream with me tonight, let's go to far off places and search for treasure bright. I turned him over and pulled back his shirt, revealing the cassette player enclosure deep within his back. With the slightest of motions, I removed the cassette and silenced the bear forever. It was a sad moment, alas. In the following days, I have been haunted by his presence and something saying, you ended my life early, his eerie voice says to me late at night. Creepy. So, anything you find on Reddit, you kind of got to take with a grain of salt. It's either a really good scary story, which I'm always game for, or um, it's their actual stories that they're just sharing with the world. Um, in these cases, I don't know. They don't. Some of them don't seem that far fetched from what we hear about uh, possessed dolls and stuff like that, like moving around and talking and stuff like that. Um, some of them, the way they ended makes me a little suspect <laughs> of some of these, but I digress. That's my Teddy Ruxpin spiels. All right, let's take a short break and then we'll get into some haunted places. All right, welcome back. I'm going to get right into a listener story really quick on haunted places. All right. When I was 18 years old, I was a newlywed, had a new baby on the way, and my then new husband and I moved in with his mom until we could get on our feet. I knew nothing about his family really, and was still adjusting to the new life. A few weeks after we moved in, both my husband and mother-in-law went to work, and I had the whole four-bedroom home to myself for the day. I got dressed and tried to get caught up on laundry and such, and spent much needed time with my dog. I wasn't allowed to tend to my mother-in-law's cat because she was paranoid since I got pregnant. So after cleaning up our bathroom, I heard my dog and the cat playing in the dining room area on the other side of the house. The home was a one level and my mother-in-law's room, office, and bathroom were on the opposite side by the kitchen. Across from the kitchen was the dining room and back door and deck. Off to the side of the dining room was the laundry room pantry, which is where I needed to go. From where I stood by my room, I could clearly see the entryway for both the kitchen and dining room along with her bedroom, which she was always kept the door shut when she wasn't home. I watched as my dog ran from the dining room to the pantry and back again as if chasing something. The cat, who is older than should be allowed humane, simply watched. I chuckled and thought to myself that my dog was needing a walk and... I watched something white fly through the air and land on the tiled kitchen floor before my dog could make it. He came back into view with his bone in his mouth and when he spotted me, wagged his tail and trotted towards me. I thought he knocked something over, so I walked back to the kitchen and saw nothing disturbed or out of place. After I had gone back to the, my room, dropped off my laundry in the washing machine, I took a seat on the couch. My dog trotted over to me and jumped up, pushing himself against my protruding baby belly. 
He looked at something I couldn't see and began growling, which was very unusual for him, even when playing. He sat up and watched something move. He then stared at the green recliner my mother-in-law had in the living room. Her cat entered the room at that moment, walked over to the chair and rubbed against something before climbing up the arm and resting on the headrest part. My dog jumped off my lap, went to the chair as well, sat down, tail wagging. He looked up at the back of the chair, panting. I stood up, freaked out, and walked back to my room. I grabbed my purse and cell phone and called my mom to see if we could hang out for a while. I didn't have a door in my room, so a thick curtain was hung up in my doorway. And as I reach to pull it open, I see a man's hand on it. And before I can stop myself, I touched it. I felt a real hand. I screamed, and my dog, of course, came running. A few moments later, I heard my mother-in-law's door slam shut. I thought maybe one of my brother-in-laws had come home early or something, so I came out of the room, and I heard something hit the wall in my mother-in-law's closet. So I went into her room and to the closet. Her closet door was cracked and opened slightly, and the light was on. I started to walk to the door, then I heard my dog go nuts in the living room. I walked back out of the room, shutting the bedroom door behind me, and my dog was barking for me and running towards the door. I grabbed his leash and had just hooked it on his collar when I heard her closet door slam shut. I ran outside with the, doll, with the dog, and we sat outside till my mom arrived. Later on, my mom brings me home, and my mother-in-law is home and concerned because I was supposed to be home, and I never left my laundry in her washing machine unfinished. My mom made me tell her what happened, and turns out she has had the same experiences. And the chair my dog and the cat were watching was something, was the something in was her ex-husband's chair. He had passed away several years before I moved in. She said that the cat used to chase toys that flew across the room, just like he used to play with him with. When I mentioned the bedroom and why I had been in there, she laughed and said, his ashes are in my closet. I stared at her and she said, just say hi, Bob. And when you notice him, he'll leave you alone. And she also says, by the time the brothers added new sister-in-laws, they would get freaked and I was used to it by then. And I would just be like, hi, Bob. <laughs> Thank you for that story. That was cool. Um, I don't know, the touching a real hand <laughs> and then hearing something in the closet and it turns out that the mother-in-laws had the same experience. So obviously it's not just like a burglar hiding in the closet or something. <laughs> and that's where the ashes are. That's so freaky. That's just, wow. Thanks for that story though. Um, I guess sometimes it kind of helps when you know, like, what it is, so you can, like, adjust your fear level. <laughs> it's amazing how the human brain can adapt to its environment like that. All right, let's keep going. All right, welcome back. Going along the lines of our last episode with generational... Uh, gifts and curses and all that. Uh, I was talking to my grandmother the other day about, you know, our legacy of, you know, people having clairvoyance and clairsentience and all the rest of that. And just like where it came from and stuff like that. 
My grandma's at the point where she said I should have asked her five years ago because her memory is starting to slip, but she does remember one story that she loved sharing with me, and that was about her mom's dad. Um, his last name was Griffiths. Um, she said that he had a special gift that no one else um, had and that he was known for, and it's it's so random, so it's nothing like crazy, but... He had the gift of saying some words and he could remove people's warts. That just happened to be what she picked up on whenever she was a kid. Um, she said it was known throughout the family that he could do this. Um, and he would always tell her no when she would ask him to remove hers. Because after all, it's it's a virus that will eventually go away, you know. Um, and he was reluctant to use it, but... She was pestering him and pestering him, and eventually he said, fine, if you will stop bugging me, I'll take him away. And so she stopped bugging him, and he said some words, and then he went on. And then the next day, her warts were gone. And I was kind of skeptical because it was so such a simple thing. So I was like, yeah, but these are cool stories, whether they're real or not. And she was like, no, Andrew this is real. <laughs> like that was very real. He was known for doing this. So that's all I know about like that specific ancestor, but still a cool story that I'm like, y'all got to tell us these things so they don't get lost. <laughs> it's a cool story. All right. Um, take a short break and then we will get into some haunted places. All right, welcome back. Um, I actually found a description of why the Bell Witch Cave is called the Bell Witch Cave. Because um, whenever I did my research on the Bell Witch, it was mostly talking about the poltergeisty stuff and the hauntings that happened to the Bell family at their residence. But I will read this little article to you. And it kind of tells about the Bell Witch Cave in Tennessee, USA. All right. Unexplained noises, ghostly whispering, and physical phenomena disturb this ancient cave. The curious Bell Witch Cave sits atop a Native American burial mound overlooking the Red River in Adams, Tennessee. It forms part of the former property of the Bell family, 19th century farmers who were menaced by the malevolent spirit known as the bell witch the first hauntings on the farm began in 1917 with unexplained knocking and scratching and the sounds of dragging chains and stones dropping on the wooden floors the family also hearing the family could also hear gulping and choking noises to begin with the terrified bells told no one but when the torment became unbearable they invited their neighbors to witness the strange phenomena soon a committee was formed to investigate what was happening and before long people from miles around arrived to experience the forces terrorizing the bell home eventually the spirit started to whisper revealing that she was cat bats an alleged witch who had died many years before over the next three years the bell witch is said to have persecuted the family almost daily she pinched scratched beat 
and stuck pins into the daughter Betsy and cursed the father, John Bell, whose body grew unaccountably thin and weak. In, 19, in December 1820, John died. As soon as he was gone, the spirit of the witch seemingly left the farm and returned to the cave. Some ghost hunters believe the cave is a spiritual portal and that the Bell Witch will return to terrorize anyone about to discover the secret gateway to another world. Ooh, freaky. It says, when should you visit? Go in summer and take the last tour at 4.15 p.m. when the spooky phenomena are said to begin. So that's cool. Um, and that's nearby. Um, whenever I moved to Nashville, that was one of the places that people were like, you have to go to this place. And unfortunately, I haven't gotten around to visiting there, but it's definitely on my list. All right. So that was cool. All right. Let's read about the Winchester Mystery House. Once the residence of Sarah Winchester, Windows, or Widow, <laughs> Windows, Widow of the Gun Magnet, Nate, something like that, William Wynn Wort Winchester, I can't read tonight, uh, the, this rambling house is the product of a mind deranged by grief. Sarah believed that the house was haunted by ghosts of victims killed with Winchester rifles. She thought she could prevent them from settling in the house only by constantly adding to and altering the property. So from 19 or from 1884 until Sarah's death in 1922, construction work was continuous. Sarah incorporated many features to trap or confuse the spirits. Doors leading to nowhere windows looking inward rather than outward, and twisted hallway, twisting hallways that have secret passageways. Sarah would slip through these to confuse any mischievous ghosts that might be following her. She even had her own seance room to encourage and communicate with benevolent spirits, as well as her late husband and a baby daughter who had died when she was just six weeks old. The number 13 carried spiritual significance for Sarah and cropped up crops up everywhere in the house she has had 12 branch chandelier altered to hold 13 candles and even the sink drain covers have 13 holes in tribute to her obsession every Friday the 13th a large bell is rung 13 times oh my goodness that sounds like mental health stuff right there that is crazy. But at the same time, who am I to judge? <laughs> I mean, it helped her deal with her losses, and she definitely had some stuff going on. So I don't know what to say about that one. All right, let's read about some haunted bed and breakfasts. This is coming to us from Verbo.com. Do you believe in ghosts? We knew a few innkeepers. We know a few innkeepers that do. 
At certain century-old historical inns, paranormal occurrences are routine, and travelers, if they're lucky, can catch exciting glimpses of the otherworldly. Just in time for Halloween, we talk to a handful of innkeepers, innkeepers about spooky supernatural guests from the past. The Texas White House in Fort Worth, Texas. His name is William Newkirk. I've been told by a medium he likes to be called Bill, says an innkeeper, Cindy Lucio. A medium also told me that he fell in one of the rooms and that's where he died. Bill's ghostly presence usually appears for solo female travelers. She doesn't have to be single, just alone. When a guest is sitting on the bed, she'll feel the bed gently shift as though someone were sitting beside her. Or she'll feel someone walk past her. No one's had any scary situations with Bill, and there are no slamming doors or anything like that. He's evidently happy that the house is restored. One time, the previous owner came back and found their housekeeper performing some kind of seance to get the evil forces out of that room. Said Lucio. No, go, said the owners. We want the spirits in this house. They bring us notoriety and guests. We can't blame Bill for hanging around. The historical Texas White House is more than 100 years old, and it's been updated with boutique amenities from saunas to jacuzzis to free Wi-Fi. The inn has gorgeous wraparound porch where innkeepers host weekend happy hours and breakfast features organically grown ingredients from the on-site garden. Yeah, I don't know. I definitely... I don't know, I'm kind of torn, because while I would like to satiate my curiosity and go stay at one of these places, I'm so afraid that something would follow me home. <laughs> and I definitely don't want that. All right, the next one is the Foley House Inn in Savannah, Georgia. In Savannah, a place known as the most haunted city in America, there's no shortage of ghost stories tied to centuries-old historical inns. One of our favorite tales, of course, is about an innkeeper. The original owners of the Foley House Inn was Honoria Foley, a widow who rented rooms to travelers and boarders. According to legend, one night a boarder attempted to strangle Miss Foley. Unable to scream, she grabbed a candlestick and beat him over the head. He fell to the floor and Miss Foley ran to another boarder's room for help. Returning to the bedroom, they discovered the man was dead. Fearing she would be imprisoned for murder, Miss Foley asked the boarder to help her conceal the body in return for free rent. On her deathbed, she told friends what had happened, but never revealed the location of the body. In 1989, during a renovation, a skeleton was found in a wall. The remains are believed to be the boarder uh, that Miss Foley murdered, although they have never, they never were identified. Guests report seeing a man in a top hat walking around the garden late at night and hearing odd noises and feeling a strange rush of air. That's Wally, what locals call the resonant spirits, making his appearance known. The Groveland Hotel, Groveland, California. There was an old gentleman up here by the name of Ernie Beck. He knew Lyle said Peggy Mosley, innkeeper at Groveland Hotel. 
He's the one who told me most of Lyle's story. As you know, I do not know his last name. He's always just been Lyle. Lyle worked at one of the local mines, and he lived for a time at the Groveland. He passed away at the hotel, and he was found with a box of dynamite under his bed. Tools of the trade, said Peggy. He liked it so well, he keeps hanging around. Lyle is a little mischievous, but he's not harmful. He doesn't like women's cosmetics on his dresser. He's knocked them onto the floor and moved them. Guests have stories about seeing Lyle. One couple said that they were just about to doze off to sleep, and a tall, slender, bearded character walked past their bed, looking over his right shoulder at them and disappeared into the wall. Lyle's room is a denim blue and white. Since he was an old gold miner, we figure we pr he probably wore denim, and we're redoing the rooms. We'll always redo his first. We want to keep him happy. Creepy. Strawberry Creek Inn B&B in Idlewild, California. According to California Paranormal Investigators Group, the main house at Strawberry Creek, and one room in particular, is inhabited by a shy yet protective female figure named Jane. Janet or Jade. She's a bit vague on that subject. She appears to be a Native American woman who was connected to the land before the house was built in the 1940s. The San uh, Jacinto Mountains, where Strawberry Creek Inn is located, was where the Cahula tribe of Palm Springs escaped the heat of the desert summers. While Jade, or whatever her name really is, doesn't often make herself known, she watches the house, and her presence is felt by those that believe in her. The spirit has a big crush on Rodney, one of the innkeepers. Oddly, she doesn't seem to mind sharing Rodney with his partner Ian, although she has chosen to play a couple of lighthearted tricks on the couple. On rare occasions, she has also played mild pranks on the guests, They've reported cold spots and pictures in the cottage that have been known to fly off the wall. Ooh, creepy, creepy. Um, let's see. And that's where that one ends. All right, welcome back. Now we're going to go over to England and talk about the Buckfastly Churchyard. And this is coming to us from National Geographic's Guide to the World's Supernatural Places, written by Sarah Bartlett. A ghostly red light emanates from the shadowy tomb in this abandoned English graveyard. Gutted by fire in 1992, Buckfastly church draws a congregation of crows by day and owls by night but it is the ivory color covered graveyard rather than the desolate ruins of the church that sends shivers up and down the spines of locals a strange little building just off the path houses a tomb encased by heavy heavy metal bars known locally as the sepulcher it is the campbell or the Cable Family Tomb. A mysterious white slab covers the stone tomb, 
as if to imprison its contents forever. Inside are the remains of Richel, Richard Cable, a mysteriously evil 17th er, <laughs> century squire reputed to have murdered his wife and sold his soul to the devil. In July 1677, Cable passed away and was laid to rest in the uh, sepulchre. That night, it is said that a ghostly pack of hounds raced across the moors and howled outside his tomb. Cable's ghost then rose, left the sepulchre, and led the phantom hounds on the night-long hunt, snatching and tearing to pieces every living creature in their path. In an attempt to lay his soul to rest, the villagers set iron bars around the sepulchre and placed a slab on top of Cable's grave. Some claim to see, have seen red glow emanating through the bars, while others reported demonic beasts circling the grave. According to legends, if you run up around the tomb seven times and then stick your hand through the bars, either Squire Cable or the devil will bite your fingers. Who would try that? My gosh. Like, I don't know. Sometimes these old-timey, you know stories come about from like superstition of the day and stuff like that but like <laughs> even now as like level-headed as everybody is with all the technology and knowledge i still wouldn't be running around it seven times and sticking my hand in there no sir <laughs> all right let's keep going there's another place in cornwall england called the jamaica inn a stranger's phantom returns nightly to his historic smuggler's pub on the bleak Cornish moor. Set high on the bleak and treacherous Bodmin Moor, Jamaica Inn was both a coaching house and a meeting place for smugglers in the 18th century. The setting for Daphne du Maurier's famous novel of the same Name, the inn has a reputation for supernatural sightings, especially of phantom smugglers and menacing spirits on the moors. There have been many disturbing stories. One account concerns a roughly dressed foreign man who is drinking a tankard of ale at the bar. Beckoned outside by another stranger, he left his beer unfinished, went out into the dark and windy night, and never returned. The following day, locals found his disemboweled corpse on the moor. Who murdered him and why was always has always been a mystery. But a supernatural sequel to the tale presented itself on the January night at the end of the 19th century. According to the story, a man sat on the wall outside the inn at closing time. As the landlord took out his keys and bade him farewell, the man stood up, raised his tankard, and ran past him to the bar. Rushing after him, the landlord saw a disemboweled figure glugging down a beer before vanishing into smoky into the smoky gloom. Since then, landlords and visitors at the inn have heard footsteps along the passage at the inn as ghastly apparition returns to finish his ale. Outside the inn, the clatter of hooves and cartwheels are sometimes heard as phantom smugglers make their way to London with their booty. According to legend, anyone hearing the rumble of iron wheels will be cursed with financial ruin. Ugh, goodness. 
All right, still in England, Newstead Abbey in Nottingham, Nottingham, England. A black mass dubbed the Goblin Friar is thought to be the harbinger of doom at this historic abbey. Once the home of the romantic poet Lord Byron, picturesque Newstead Abbey nestled in the rolling green parkland Yet it harbors a dark secret, a ghost seen by Lord Byron and immortalized in his epic poem, Don Juan, is said to watch all visitors. In his poem, Byron tells how the black shapeless mass would roll from the bed onto the floor and vanish. Although known as the Black Friar, Byron referred to the ghost as the Goblin Friar in Don Juan. He claimed that the apparition would appear to members of the Byron family before any unhappy event was seen shortly before his own disastrous marriage to Anne Milbank. The American writer Washington Irving brought more ghostly experiences to the public attention when he stayed at Newstead at the end of the 19th century. He recounted the story of the ghost of a heavily bearded ancestor of Byron Descending from a painting above the drawing room fireplace, the apparition, he said, stalked the abbey at midnight and terrified all who stayed there. Often reported, the gardens, wandering the gardens, reading a book, is the White Lady, a phantom of an orphaned deaf girl named Sophia Hyatt, who visited the abbey as one of Byron's greatest fans. Oh, goodness. All right, Loftus Hall, Count we County Wexford, Ireland. A lovesick ghost and her demon lover forever play hide-and-seek in this isolated Irish mansion. On the remote hook peninsula of County Wexford, a solitary mansion stands starkly outlined against the stark skyline. Built at the end of the 19th century, it replaced an earlier hall occupied by the Tottenham family. According to local legend, in the late 18th century, the daughter of the house, Anne Tottenham, became infatuated with a young visitor to Loftus Hall. The stranger had been shipwrecked at sea during a storm. After they played cards one night, Anne bent down to pick up a card from the floor and noticed the man had a cloven foot. She immediately fainted, and the man disappeared through the roof in a blaze of fire. Afterwards, she refused to eat or drink and sat gazing across to the sea, her knees tucked under his chin, hoping her stranger would return. When Anne died in 19... Er, in, <laughs> keep on saying this is all in 1900. No, in 1775, she was buried in a sitting position, for it was impossible to straighten her legs without breaking them. Her death triggered poltergeist activity in the house, and various priests were summoned to perform exorcisms. It is still believed that Anne's ghost and that of her demon lover roamed through the mansion's empty hallways, chasing each other in an endless game of hide-and-seek. Ooh, freaky. And again, this is just like a local legend, so who knows? Right, um, still in Ireland, Leap Castle, County of Folly, Ireland. 
Impaled corpses are believed to be the source of a terrifying force field in this somber Irish castle. Something terrible is thought to haunt Leap Castle, for centuries the seat of bitter clan rivalries and vengeance. The menacing force is said to emanate from the Obliette, a deep dungeon only accessible by a trapdoor. In the castle's early days, prisoners were thrown into the Obliette were impaled on iron spikes, where they suffered a slow and agonizing death. In the 15th century, clan members One-Eyed Tog is supposed to have drugged 40 members of a rival clan and then flung them one at a time into the dungeon spikes. In the 20th century, workmen found the skeletal remains of 150 people in the Obliette. The ghosts of the victims are said to have created a, venge a horrific, vengeful force field known as the Elemental. People who have experienced this mysterious injury, energy say it brings a terrible sense of dread and fear. They also report an overwhelming urge to throw themselves into the dungeon as a sacrifice to the pit's victims who, lo who long to rest in peace. Ooh... Freaky. All right, a few more. All right, Versailles Gardens, France. Casualties of the French Revolution wander the gardens, accompanied by their spooky sound of music. Lost in the gardens of Versailles in 1901, two Oxford academics, Anne Moberly and Eleanor Jourdain, Claimed they felt an eerie presence. They saw strangers, some fearsome, others melancholic, all dressed in 18th century costume. Three months later, Anne mentioned she had also seen a woman sketching by the lake. As the two friends compared accounts, they felt sure they had been surrounded by ghosts and fallen into a time warp. Convinced that the lady sketching had been Marie Antoinette, they wrote a book about the extraordinary experience. Its publication caused a sensation. It is claimed Marie Antoinette still wanders the gardens behind Petite Trinon, her miniature chateau in the grounds of Versailles, and contemplates the world of her from her grotto. It is here that she would draw and write during her lifetime, reflecting on her, the course of her life might have taken. Some say Marie Antoinette's execution at the guillotine the guillotine in 1793 left her spirit restless wandering the gardens in search of her children and a tranquil spot in which to relieve her life from before the relive her life before the french revolution she sits alone on the belvedere and leans wistfully against the columns in the temple of love many visitors have reported hearing sounds of ghostly chamber music laughter and lovers giggling in the grottos and beside the fountains. Other phantoms associated with the Palace of Versailles include Louis XV, who is seen dancing through the orangery with his mistress Madame de Pompadour, his other paramour, Madame du Berry, who died in terrible fear at the guillotine, has reported been seeing gazing across the gardens from the Hall of Mirrors. Yeah. 
That's freaky. There's some historical ghosts. Some famous ones. Looks like everybody died from the guillotine back then. My goodness. Let's see. All right. Let's go to Denmark. Jagsholm Castle, De Zealand, Denmark. The ghost of a nobleman chained to a pillar for 10 years haunts the courtyards in this Danish castle. Once a prison for noble traders, Jagsholm Castle stands on the island in Denmark's Zealand archipelago. Phantoms of a white lady and the Earl of Bothwell are reputed to stalk its staircases and courtyard in this chill in the chill northern air. The white lady is thought to be the lovelorn daughter of a draconian former master of the castle. According to legend, when her father discovered she loved a commoner, he was so angry and ashamed that he cut her throat and bricked her up in the castle walls. During the 1930s, workmen repairing the walls found a skeleton shrouded in a tattered white dress and prison inside. Many people claim to have seen the white lady weeping as she walks through the castle at night, by day. She is sometimes spotted counting the petals of a flower as she waits for her lover beside the castle walls. King Frederick of Denmark imprisoned the sinister Earl of Bothwell on suspicion of murder of Lord Darnley, the husband of Mary, Queen of Scots. Not long after Lord Darnley, Darnley's demise, Bothwell had married Mary himself, with the aim it was thought to becoming Scotland's king. Unable to decide his fate, Frederick kept Bothwell alive in appalling conditions. Chained to a pillar in the circular grove in the floor to drain off, etc., he went insane after 10 years and died at age 44. Many people claim to see his ghostly figure riding across the courtyard of Dragsholm as he really relives his dream of wearing the Scottish crown. Ooh, bunch of bunch of historical stuff here. Like it's all connected. All right, let's go for Whole House. Maybe it won't be historic. Let's see. Chicago, Illinois. An evil presence in the attic of this townhouse inspired the novel and movie Rosemary's Baby. And this is Hull House, H-U-L-L -L House. After the wife of Charles Hull, the first owner of Hull House, died here in 1860, her ghost appeared in every room. But, more man but a more man malevolent spirit is also said to lurk there, a fearsome presence that inspired... Ira Levin's famous 1967 novel, Rosemary's Baby. When in 1889, Jane Addams and Ellen Gates star bought the property and turned it into a refuge for European immigrants, Adam immediately sensed a supernatural presence. Stories of hauntings proliferated throughout the decades. According to one story in 1913, in a local Chicago bar, a drunken man shouted in front of many witnesses that he would rather have the devil in his house than the picture of the Virgin Mary 
that his pregnant wife had put on the wall. When their child was born, it had pointed ears, horns, and scaly skin and cloven feet. The mother took the devil baby to a whole house where it was locked in the attic and later died. Adams denied the story, but many believed it. It is said that the cloven hoops tiptoed over the floorboards and the menacing baby eyes stared from dark corners. Today, they say if you can hear the devil baby gurgle or cry, you'll be cursed with bad luck. Ooh, that one is creepy. I also don't believe you should just, like, shout things, like, daring stuff to happen. Whether, you know, something far-fetched, like, that baby was born with cloven hooves or something. First of all, that could have been, like, a deformity. <laughs> and they just locked a baby up there to die. But if not, I mean, he kind of dared, you know, the spirits or the universe or whatever to do something. So I definitely don't suggest doing that all right let's take a short break all right welcome back got two more haunted places stories and we might have time to end with a shadow man story so let's get right into it this comes to us from tantoco park in the chiloe archipelago of chile in the remote regions of this archipelago, warlocks and their lackeys rule the forests. In the Chiloe legend, a sudden scream outside of a house foreshadows a death within the family. The sound is said to be made by a chonchon, a warlock male witch that has shapeshifted into an owl-like creature with gray feathers. If there is a sick person in the house, it is believed that the Shonshon will attack their weakened spirit by sucking their blood until death takes hold. Warlocks are reputed to create evil accomplices known as Imbunche from newborn male babies stolen from human couples. To ensure the Bunche can never escape. The warlock deforms the baby by breaking one of its legs and twisting it over its head. A magic ointment is then applied to the child's back to produce a thick coat of black hair that will protect it. That will protect the creature from freezing cold of deepest winter. Destined to guard the warlock's cave, the Bunche let out blood-curdling screams to scare off approaching strangers. It is said that anyone who sees an Mbunche will be frozen on the spot forever. Female witches, brujas, can transform into birds or animals. They can place people or creatures in a trance, cause illness, deaths, accidents, and murder, and even raise or lower the sea level. Apprentice brujas cleanse themselves of Christian rites and influences by standing beneath a waterfall for 40 days. They must then kill a loved one and make a pact sign in blood with the devil for the deliverance of their soul. Only then can a witch enter a coven and draw on the power of the devil himself. Okay, uh, that's freaky. <sighs> that's some stuff you don't play with. Um, 
And if you want to know my honest opinion, like, yeah, I, I believe stuff like this is real. Um, whether it's the Christian mentality of like, you know, stuff coming from the devil or stuff like that. It's just, I mean, it's been throughout time. Uh, people making deals with the devil and stuff like that. I just, there's even missionaries that have said stuff about, you know, seeing shape-shifting and stuff like that, which I don't know because I've never seen it. So my paradigm might be different than theirs. But like they say that evil's so prevalent there that they can just shape-shift sometimes. And that certainly freaks me out. All right, one more. Rose Hall. This is from Montego Bay, Jamaica. A former mistress schooled in voodoo is said to stalk the halls of its great plantation house. Once one of Jamaica's finest plantation houses, Rose Hall, is steeped in stories of witchcraft. They concern a woman called Anne Palmer, born in England but raised in Haiti by an old Creole nurse who taught her witchcraft. On reaching adulthood, Anne moved to Jamaica and married John Palmer, the owner of Rose Hall Plantation. Within months of the marriage, Anne started taking slaves to her bed. One day, her husband caught her with a lover and beat her with a riding crop. In revenge, Anne murdered him by poisoning his coffee. She then inherited Rose Hall and her reign of terror began. It is said that Anne murdered any slaves, lovers, or suitors who displeased or bored her. Her cruel behavior, coupled with the rumors that she dabbled in voodoo, earned her the name the White Witch of Rose Hall. But Anne's invincibility was not to last. She made a fatal mistake by placing a curse on Millicent, the granddaughter of a lo local witch doctor. At the time, Anne was trying to win the love of an English bookkeeper named Robert Rutherford, who loved Millicent. Anne cursed Millicent with the withering disease. Supported by a mob of slaves, the witch doctor strangled Anne. Anne and her possessions were buried on Rose Hall Estate. According to the story, a voodoo ritual was carried out to lay her to to lay her ghost, but it was not completed according to strict protocol. Anne's demonic spirit is said to haunt Rose Hall to this day. Subsequent owners suffered early or tragic deaths, and the cursed home was left abandoned for more than 150 years. Ooh, creepy. We might get into it in a later episode, but voodoo is one of those things that... I believe is very real and people should not play with especially if they don't know what they're doing um that's all for the haunted places i always like to throw in a good shadow man story <laughs> um so let's talk shadow man for a second um these are just really short um, after a night of sleep, a lossful codex from Reddit laid down midday to take a nap. They recall a strange feeling in their head, but believed it to be a side effect of sleep deprivation. Then from the corner of their room, they heard South Park 
as it was as if there was a television sitting right next to their bed, although there isn't. A ringing and high-pitched voice or whooshing sound joined the chorus. No matter how hard they tried, they couldn't lift their arms or head. And then they heard a knock at the window. Behind the glass pane crouched a dark, faceless figure. A second figure, identical stature, entered the bedroom door and sat at the edge of the bed. The shadow person spoke. I would be afraid too. This is what nightmares are made from. They were confident that this was a dream, but it seemed inescapable. The room faded in and out, and then the user woke. It was easily the scariest experience they'd ever had with lucid dreaming. Um, let's see. Analithium has had a few encounters with shadow people, but there's only one that truly terrified them. On the summer evening, they stayed up late watching television with their sister. As they got up to go to bed, they passed the front door and saw a Native American man standing in the frame. He stood at about 5'6 and wore a black suit with an old-fashioned top hat and had long hair and sharp blue eyes. The user screamed, making her sister jump and impulsively throw a sock shaker at the figure. The shadow person's face fell into what seemed like a sorrowful expression, then shimmered away through the front door. Later, when de describing the experience to their father, he said the shadow person sounded like the description of his great uncle who died when he was young. Right, and one last little one. During the late 1960s, this person encountered shadow people on three separate occasions. The first time they caught one looking through their bedroom window before disappearing. The second one was months later when they awoke to five shadow people lurking aimlessly around their bedroom. The third and final time was late at summer camp. They were laying in bed in their bungalow when shadowy figures appeared and began walking in circles around the bed. In all three occasions, the figures were pitch black, darker than the dimly lit room. This user has experienced all they want from shadow people and hopes to never encounter one again. Hmm. All right. Those of you seeing stuff outside your window, why is your window open at night? <laughs> like, get you some curtains. Seriously. Put those curtains up. I could not, I could not sleep in a room without a sheet or a curtain or something over the window. Oh my gosh, that's just asking to look out there and see something. As I've mentioned in other episodes and also on the Facebook group, if you don't know what you're doing with this stuff, don't go seek it out and don't play with it. Some of it is very real. Um, others of it have perfectly logical explanations. I like to hear both sides, and I tend to believe a lot of both sides. So, um, that being said, um, any of our listener stories I do take is 100% true um, coming from you guys. So, make sure you keep those stories coming. Uh, message me and send them to me if you want to remain anonymous, or feel free to post on the Facebook group if you're loud and proud about what you've seen or experienced. Um, that being said, if you haven't joined our Facebook group yet, it's Paranormal Stories, Spooky Shiz, 
on Facebook as a Facebook group. Um, just, you know, request to join. I'll add you. And then you can see all the spooky memes I post all the time and all the spooky stories that people submit. All right. Thanks for being with me tonight. I hope you guys had a great holiday again. And uh, stay spooky. All right. See you next time.